What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Parisi Podcast. It's your host, Casey Lee, Parisi's Director of Coaching and Education. I am joined this week by a very special guest. I know I use that phrase a lot, very special guest, but they're all just really good guests. This week, I'm joined by Nicole Adak, who is a performance coach, strength coach, and more importantly, she's a certified mental skills coach. And what I've loved about Nicole, I've worked with her for a few years now um, until she relocated out to Boston, is that she is so passionate about the field of mental skills and performance, and I know you'll be able to tell that through the conversation we have. I'm not going to dive in too much. I'm going to let Nicole do most of the talking, but just a little spoiler for you, this is only part one of this conversation. We'll have Nicole back on here for part two in a couple weeks but this conversation is phenomenal and I know you as a performance coach listening to this are going to get a lot of little nuggets on how to better work with your athletes and help them reach the goals that they want to achieve so without further ado here is Nicole Adak what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of the Parisi podcast it is your host Casey Lee with Parisi's Director of Coaching and Education. I'm joined by a very special guest. I know I said that about the last guest because Seth was special. If you listen to the last episode with Seth Foreman, he is a special guest. This is also a special guest. I'm joined by a, a past coworker. Can I say friend? Nicole, can I, Obviously. I, can I say friend? Of course. Um, friend, intelligent expert in the field, Nicole Adak who has a thousand and one nicknames. I'll spare her on this podcast platform. Um, but Nicole Adak, um, I'm going to let you, I, I've, I've learned my lesson, Nicole. I normally do like a little bio for people. I'm so bad at them. I'm going to let you do your own bio, two minute speech, whatever you would just tell us who you are, what you do, where you're doing it. And uh, you know, kind of the who, what, one, where, why, and, and then we'll kind of riff from there. Beauty. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. Nicole Adak. Um, I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, how to even begin this? Thanks for the warning. Um, so I was an athlete all my life growing up, um, played basketball through college and ended up getting my master's degree in clinical psychology, always interested in um, bridging the gap between athletics and mental health. And I found myself in this field of sports psychology and I have been working as a mental skills coach with athletes for a while now. So essentially helping athletes and non-athletes learn the skills and strategies that help them become their best and overcome obstacles. Um, I've worked in the mental health field and a lot of other areas as well, but my biggest passion is absolutely in mental skill development, um, reaching your potential and you know, just being the best you can be on and off the court, field, ice, et cetera. I, that was a very, very, um, I'll say modest introduction, Nicole. Um, <laughs> what I think has always made Nicole really fantastic at, at what she does specifically is, is there's people who talk the talk, there's people who walk the walk, and then there's people who are able to do both. Um, Nicole, with her athletic background, background as a, a sports performance coach, um, while always bringing the mental skills side of it as like the primary focus, like I, there's not a lot of people that, that really truly do that, Nicole. Like I'm sure if I had to ask mm -hmm. you who the imposters were in your industry, you could probably name a dozen right off the top of your head or people who <laughs> say it, you know, but aren't really doing it. Like, it's just, uh, yeah. there's, when you meet people who dive into their industry and they have amazing passion about it. And I know Nicole and I have done a couple other podcasts together. What I always say is that you'll know really quick, if you're listening to this, how passionate Nicole is about the field of mental skills. You'll know really quick because Nicole's all in 
all in on it. So <laughs> I will say that's so true that I'm like super passionate about it. Because incredibly passionate. It's like, you know, when you're super passionate about things, you tend to see it show up everywhere. I pretty much translate everything I do into like, okay, what's this mental skill? How can I improve it so I can be better? And it's just how I kind of see the world. So even like in my, I also work as a corporate wellness consultant. And so in that world, guess where I dive into mental skills. And so I just happen to look at the world in that way. I just believe that we don't all know that we have a choice to be our best all the time. So I try to find the opportunities where, where that's possible. So thank you for saying that. I'm super passionate about it. Just want to help people, you know, not only like become their best, but like recognize what their best even is. A lot of people don't even know that. That's a really good way to put it because we were just talking pre-clicking the record button mm -hmm. and you were talking about how like we put barriers on ourselves. Like we'll, we'll give ourselves our own ceiling and not mm -hmm. understand that we can break that or we can push that ceiling higher. And I don't know if it's that we don't know how, or if it's just that it's in our, it, it's human nature to almost be reserved. Like, I feel like in some people it's human nature to almost like maybe that's where it crosses over into like an exceptional ego. And you're like, well, I can do anything and this, that, and the other thing. And, and maybe that's why those people to some extent are one percenters in their field. Um, I always think of like, you know, so maybe someone like LeBron James, right? Like if you had, like, he's arguably, I'm not gonna say he's the greatest, but arguably in the conversation of greatest athlete in his sport of all time. And he probably has a pretty crazy ego, but he'd also would tell you that he's worked hard to make sure that that ceiling is incredibly high. You know, I don't know. I've, it's just a random tangent before we even get started, but we were just talking no, about it. I feel like it's relevant It's now. true. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very relevant. And I think like the, the people who become those elite performers, whether it's sports or the arts or whatever, like they do have that big confidence, right? So if you want to call it a big ego, that's, that's good. But I think what makes them even more extraordinary typically, typically, is that their ego is somewhat tameable. So they control how big their ego is. Cause we all have an ego to some degree. Some people think it's like a bad thing to have an ego. It's actually a required thing as a human to have an ego. Mm. It's just how it shouldn't be the leader all the time. So knowing when it should lead you and knowing when it should kind of fall back a little bit and being the one in, with the controls, I think is really big. This is a really random side, side uh, tangent, but I will say there's a Netflix series right now out on Kanye West <laughs> called Genius. And I'm not like, a, I, I like Kanye West as, as a musician now or an artist, whatever you want to call him. But um, I never really found him to be that, like that likable as a human, but I don't know him. So it's hard to say. However, watching this documentary, you should watch it. It's a three-parter. Tonight, today is actually the third of three episodes that, have, that are being aired on Netflix. And it, it goes through his process of becoming famous and how he just believed in himself from the very beginning. He was a producer and he essentially single-handedly proved to the world that he deserves to be a rapper and on the stage. So he actually started having his friend record his life in like early 2000s time before College Dropout came out because he just believed that he was going to be mm. something. And then he proved everyone right. So you know, obviously he's had his fair share in the media lately, but just like the sheer confidence and belief in self that like, Hey, that's where I'm going to get. Now let me show you. That's like something that, and I was thinking about it watching the documentary, like those elite people, the Kobe's, the LeBron's, I guess, you want to consider a little bit, I don't know, great. I'm team Michael, I'm team Michael Kobe. Jordan, I'm not, I'm not um, you know, all these amazing, famous athletes, successful people, Kanye West, like 
they are the people who just totally believe in themselves and they don't allow the distractions or like the people who are disbelievers to interfere with that. And I think there's something special about that. I don't think we all need to be at that level, <laughs> but I think it it's very clear to me that those elite performers have a different type of ego, as you kind of put it before. For sure. And I, I mean, this is a weird tangent, but I think there's a parallel here. Like I, I remember being 21, like, actually, I don't even think I was 21 yet, but going through my Parisi certification the first time in 2011, Mm -hmm. having Bill Mm -hmm. Parisi, Martin Rooney, John Cirillo, like the three, the three dudes of Parisi, just meticulously watching everything that we did, coaching us to the very finite instruction. And I realized like, you know, when you're young and impressionable, like you want to be that. Right. But there's only one Bill Parisi. Like there is, I've worked, I work with Bill he's cut from a different cloth than others. Like there's no way, like you're saying, like we all don't, we all don't need to be at that level, but when people are at that level, like you can recognize it. Like, you know, we've had Bill obviously on this podcast, but I work with Bill, like he's just, he's a one of one. There's no way around it. Like his, the way he attacks things, the way he believes in himself, like just it's innovative. It's contagious, you know? And and that's something that I've learned is like in a mentor of mine always said this, but like bravery can be extrapolated, you know, like for us as coaches, the people that we work with, like if our clients, our athletes can see us as their, the person in their life doing it, that's so important. You know, and I think that's why in the field that you're in and what you do specifically with your athletes and your, your clients, it's, you know, like you're that person, like your bravery is what gets extrapolated to these individuals, like your ability to coach them through mental hardships or, you know, performance hardships that they're limiting themselves at. Like that's, yeah. it's really special. It's really cool. And I, I'm, I'm super pumped that obviously mental skills, mental health is on the forefront, like it should be. Um, but your profession, I feel like it's still in its infancy, like totally. mental skills yeah. and performance. Like it's, it's so important. It's on the rise for sure. Um, and one thing I will say about like the Bill Parisi's of the world, um, I, I want to make sure that people recognize too. It's like cut from a different cloth. I feel like is translated wrong sometimes. Like, oh, you're not human. Like, yeah, I am human. I'm, I just made a choice and I'm working. I'm making that choice every single day to make sure that I follow through with my goals. Mm-hmm. So I think like those people that are cut from a different cloth, it's, it's more so like they just have, they have the awareness to make those choices every day that set them apart. So I, like, you know, I remember James Lawrence is like this famous um, triathlon runner. He did like 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. And that's incredible. I can't even imagine doing one Ironman. And someone's like, oh my God, you're not human. And he was insulted. He's like, yeah, I am human. I just made a choice and I trained. You could do it too, but you chose not to. So like the Bill Parisi's of the world, like they're making choices to be that person, I think. I love that. I love that. So now that our intro is done, Nicole, <laughs> long bio. <laughs> I think we, we, Nicole and I were joking, like we should, we could do a podcast and just riff forever. Like I think the, oh, the two pods that yeah. we've done on on my feed have been like ninety minutes plus. Like they're phenomenal. Oh, like at least yeah. they're they're great. They're amazing conversations. So um, I actually listened to one of them the other day. They're so good. They're so good. I, I know our I first one is one of the top yeah. five. No way. The first one we did is the top five most downloaded. No, I was laughing at like Crazy. our jokes. Like I was like oh. part of the conversation again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, but what I wanted to dive in today, and I I, I sent Nicole this question because I really wanted to dive into this specifically for the pod, is us as performance coaches, 
you know, whatever, you know, industry we, we may be, but sports performance coaches, college, high school, private, public, you know, we, we get a lot of athletes, clients come to us and they're like, oh, I want to achieve this. I want this. I want to make this team. I want to have this many more minutes on the field. I want this. I want, I want, I want, I want. And sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes the wants never translates to their actions, right? Or the actions that they, they do never translates to the wants that they have. So Nicole, I really wanted to start the conversation today yeah. after that amazing introduction, of course, um, on how we as coaches can help usher our athletes' actions to translate to the wants that they have. And I, I know it's a very broad question. It's very broad. Yeah. And, it's, and the, I think that the challenge is you know, as, like as a sports performance coach, like I'm not, a, I'm not you, like I'm not, I'm not a, a clinical psychologist. Like I'm not, that's not my, that's not what I am, you know, but I am someone who's going to see this athlete one to five hours a week. Right. Like I'm, especially mm-hmm. in the off season, like I am going to have an impact on them. Like totally. it's two parts is one, you know, from your standpoint, how do you do it? And then from a sports performance coach standpoint, like what can we do to help? You know, like, I guess that's, that's my two specific like draws of that question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cue me throwing the ball. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of how to answer this. I've obviously done some thinking um, since we kind of chatted about what this would be about. I have my notes, my bullets. (laughs) Um, And I think the first thing, like this is to answer it broadly first is that it's ultimately going to boil down to the athlete's choices because you know, you can help someone, but if they're not willing to receive the help or they're not willing to help themselves, it's a really chat, like challenging slash impossible task to get an athlete to where they want to be if they're not willing to put it in, mm-hmm. put in effort. So I think it's really important for, for coaches to kind of check themselves too. And, you know, I remember actually one time I had a mentor of mine, I was talking about an, an athlete, like it was a supervisor of mine. So I was talking about a case of a client and they weren't like, hitting their potential they said they wanted to do these things but then they wouldn't actually like see it out to fruition and I was getting frustrated like what am I doing wrong and my supervisor simply said like how important do you think you really are like (laughs) you're a role you have a role in their lives and their performance but you are not their performance so I think for coaches a lot of times like most people in the performance field have that type a personality of wanting to be in control wanting to get it done wanting to help in any way possible be as effective as possible And sometimes we have to like check ourselves and look in the mirror and be like, wait, I can give all the information. I could guide the horse to water, but I cannot force the water, the horse to drink the water. So a lot of times with coaches, it's it's first recognizing like, all right, what kind of athlete am I working with? Am I working with an athlete that's going to put, make that choice every day and put that effort in every day? Or am I working with someone who I'm going to be dragging them (laughs) the whole time? Because that'll dictate kind of the work as well. So that's like the first thought I have off the bat. Um, And then I start to think more specifically. So as far as like an athlete who knows what they want, right? What's the outcome? What's, what's the hopeful outcome? What's the vision? What's the goal? You know, maybe it's, I want to get all state on the all state team. I don't know. Or maybe I want to win a championship or I want to get recruited and play in college or whatever that big goal might be. I say the first step is like knowing what that outcome is, right? Knowing what they want to achieve. Because if they can see what they want the future to look like, then they can start painting that picture and creating a reality in their minds. Athletes who just say, I want to be good, good luck. Like there's no measurable anything there. You want to be good. What does that mean? So the more specific an athlete can get about their outcome, 
and what goal they have for an ultimate vision of themselves, then we can start working backwards. So I always ask groups of athletes, like when you go on a road trip, what's the first thing you need to do? And ever, and I think you and I've talked about this and everyone answers like, Oh, I need to get gas. I need to pack my snacks for the car ride. I need to pack my clothes. I need to, you know, coordinate outfits. I need all these things. But the first thing you need to do is know where you're going. Because if you don't know what the outcome is, the destination, then you don't know how much gas you need. You don't know what kind of snacks you need, what kind of clothes to pack. You don't know any of those small details because you don't know what the ultimate goal is. So step one is like creating a vision. Coaches can help athletes with this for sure, but the athlete has to be the artist. The athlete has to be the one who's painting the picture and coaches can help with reinforcement, you know, giving positive comments and feedback, helping them kind of get some of the details. But having a clear picture of what that outcome is, is going to then start helping the athlete and the coach, if they want to be part of this, paint the picture that leads to that outcome. I'll pause it there for a minute. Does that make sense? God, I love that. I love the phrase you just said, the athlete needs to be the artist. Yeah. They need to paint their own picture or the author. They need to write their own story. Um, You know, there's actually a therapist that says um, that when an individual comes to therapy, um, they're, they're the ones who are the author of their story. We're just the editors. The therapist is the editor. So we read the, the already developed story and kind of make edits along, like, you know, to make it better or to make it make more sense or concise and things like that. So if an athlete is kind of put in that client role, they're the authors of their story. They're the artists of their masterpiece. And we're here to make it better and enhance it. So once we have this like outcome, one of the like, foundational principles, I think, with mental skill development and mental performance, reaching your potential, goal setting, all that stuff is visualizing, imagery, visualization, whatever word you want to use, and have the athlete get comfortable and familiar with mentally experiencing what it is that they want to ultimately experience in detail. And we could go through the visualization practice if you wanted, but we could talk about that if we have time at the end or whatever. But essentially, like... I was going to say, if we could actually dissect that last part a little bit more, like, like have the athlete visualize what they want. Like, I guess I need to clear. I I don't, I don't like, if I want to make the varsity team, Mm -hmm. like what would that visualization process look like? So I, I try to break uh, mental skills down to be as like systematic as possible. So just like we have the foundational, like fundamentals of movement with sports, whether it's like sport specific movements, like ball handling shooting form or like movement literally like your body there's fundamentals that we need to master before we can move on to the complex movements so same with the mental side of things we have these fundamental tenets that we need to master so visualization i think of as one so the the process of how to like systematically have a a good visualization practice i always say incorporate all the senses you need as much sensory input as possible that's data so what i mean by that is essentially like you think of the five senses right sight sound smell touch taste i say we have a sixth sense as well and that's emotion so an athlete's visualization practice i have them start by writing on a piece of paper sight sound smell touch taste emotion and we picture okay you want to be on the varsity team what does that look like? What do you see as the varsity athlete? Oh, I see myself running out after the JV game finishes, or, oh, I see myself, whatever you might see. I don't, it depends on the sport, obviously, and the location, but what is it that you see and focus only on sight? That is the one sense I want you to focus on. Write a paragraph, write a list of things you see. 
great. Then move on to the next step, sound. What is it that you hear as a varsity athlete? I hear people cheering for me in the student section because people actually come to the varsity games. I, I hear, you know, if you're a basketball player, the ball bouncing and swishing. I hear the ref blowing the whistle or the buzzer going off at the end of the game because we won. I hear and go through all the sounds that you might hear. Then break it, break down the next sense, physical touch. And we'll, you know, you go through all those. Smell and yeah. taste are actually really challenging, but super important. Maybe it's like you taste water in your mouth. Um, for me as a college athlete, I always say this, but like a smell that I will always associate with playing basketball at St. Mike's is the smell of popcorn in the concession stand. <laughs> so when I smell popcorn, I still think of walking into Tarrant Gym because that's just the association I've made. So well, trying you, to, yeah, you, go ahead. You like low key passive aggressively threw this in there. I loved it. Because like, if your goal is to make the varsity team, like they have a concession stand for the varsity games. They have a crowd at the varsity games. You were like totally like, that one year you you, did you you probably never played you were a four-year varsity player weren't you yeah 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 of course well I played freshman in middle school yeah no I I got the freshman those that are listening to this Nicole is a a short six foot I think she's probably closer to little probably closer to six foot one when she has her shoes on if she's not already telling people (laughs) she's six one um and obviously just WNBA (laughs) for a short stint yeah very successful career very short career no you should go like walk no. on and try to play for like the connecticut sun or something yeah they'd probably you got look it? at me and laugh they'd like they'd no like way. Me away I mean, i'd be a tiny six one foot, six yeah. foot. no you're six foot you're six foot i know like, but that's, that's not that tall that's tall enough you're a six foot point guard well that goes back to the example of choice i didn't choose that route i say oh i wish i could have played pro do i really wish i played pro because i didn't do anything about it so <laughs> that goes back to choice ego this- check this is what happens when you guys, you have a, like an intimate conversation <laughs> with a therapist is like this, all the words that you say, you better have meaning behind them because if you don't, you're going to get called out. Um, but right. I, it's, it's just a really good point. Like you said that those last two senses are tough, but you know, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're trying like, you know, I think of like, you know, if I wanted to play college lacrosse, you know, mm-hmm. like what does that smell like? It smells like rubber turf field you know, like, and I didn't mm-hmm. play on a turf field in high school, you know? So like working with our athletes, like it's, that is that yeah. right there. Like if you're a coach and you kind of dozed off, like go back 10 minutes and listen to Nicole, break that down because there are, I think very limited things that we can do as a sports performance coach working with our athletes. But man, like if you say that's goal setting, you're not doing a disservice to the stuff that Nicole just outlined. Like that's, mm-hmm. that stuff is so critical for us to get our athletes between the ears where they need to be. And that's actually how I think I initially posed the question to you. It is. Yeah. We get our athletes cognitively ready to train, you know, like Mm -hmm. to get focused on the training. They know it's good for them. That's why they're there with us. But just because they know it's good for them, they say they want this goal. And this is in air quotes. That doesn't mean anything if they can't physically execute. And that's what we need to help our athletes do is get in the position to make the choice to execute, ultimately knowing it's going to come down to them. But that's, I mean, Huge. Huge. And I think, I mean, I want to finish the visualization thing, but I will say as a piggyback to what you just said, I think a lot of times athletes go to the experts, right? Like the trainers and performance specialists and the nutritionists and all these people that have the expertise to tell them what to do. But in a way that's teaching the athlete that they don't have control over their performance. Others do like the athlete still needs to be reminded daily, constantly that 
you can utilize other people without relying on other people. So it's your performance is up to you in so many ways. And if you feel like there's an area of weakness that you're struggling with, like, oh, I'm not reaching these goals or I'm not, you know, losing the weight I'm supposed to be losing or oh, I'm not getting faster or stronger or more explosive. Okay, then go find an expert, ask them, you know, what their two cents is, and then you go do it. <laughs> so, you know, relying on coaches puts a lot of pressure on coaches. So I think coach, sometimes the athlete needs to be reminded like, hey, like, I can give you all of this wealth of knowledge, but like you need to be the one to go execute. God, it's another um, good one. Utilize, not rely on. God, yes. full of good ones. <laughs> Just natural, can I say? This is what, uh, <laughs> like I, I, I said this in the beginning, like I hope everyone listening to this can understand just how passionate you are about this profession. Yeah. And then just how yeah. like, I'm always blown away at just how legit, like, I don't know. I've seen you, I've seen you put like the outline and, you know, and, and like the work that you've done in the past, like I've, you've, you know, mm-hmm. you do a really good job of pulling back the curtain and really seeing it. And it's just like, yeah. God, so it's, 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 it's so good. So good. Nicole. I think it, so it, it, thank you. It comes from my own experience too, of like having all these goals, but not knowing how to accomplish them. So I think I have a lot of like real life experience that has led me to know where the, the gapes are or gapes, gaps. <laughs> Gapes, <laughs> but uh, little, little accent there. It's not even a Boston accent, huh? I don't know how you'd say gap in a Boston accent. Gap. I'm not gonna gap. It'd be a gap. A gap. It'd be a gap. The New York is a gap, but anyways. Yeah. Um, the last sense of visualization. I this is the most important one too, so I want to make sure that people don't miss it. But back on here is that's me redirecting. But um is emotion, feelings. What does it feel like to be a varsity athlete if we're using that goal as an example? Oh, I feel confident. I feel like sure of myself. I feel motivated. I feel strong. I feel, and go into those feelings. And then, so that's step one. You write all that stuff out. And then you practice it in your mind. You do not need your body. It's the best part. You just close your eyes and you literally go layer by layer as if it's an onion of each of those senses and you can be in first person, third person. The research shows it doesn't matter. Just be consistent. Whatever feels better for you. So it could be GoPro mode or it could be watching yourself on film. Whatever feels more effective. And you go through each of those emotion or senses and you literally walk yourself through what does it look like. So now not only do you have words for it, but you have a vision for it. You're closing your eyes. You see it. Then you add in sound. Then you add in touch, taste, smell, emotion. And what your brain is doing is creating that experience. And you, in that instant, are creating new neural pathways in your brain to make that a potential reality for yourself. So it goes from idea to reality. So that's like one of the biggest things I think athletes aren't doing enough of is actually knowing what they want and then practicing that experience. And I God, think I it, it needs to boil down to specifics. It needs to boil down to specifics, not just like, oh, I want to play varsity, but like, okay, tell me more. Like, what is that like? You know, what does that make you feel like? Because then we can recreate those feelings. We can recreate those sights, those smells, those sounds day to day to make sure you get there. And then so it gives a purpose behind, you know, bringing it back to sports performance training. Like it gives a purpose Correct. behind what we're doing. Yep. No, like, I work with a lot of athletes who have a strong vision, to be honest with you, but they don't then come back to the daily tasks that help them get to that vision. They're too, they're mentally in the future. doesn't help. It's good to have that future, but once it's there, now come on back to the present moment, friend, and start working to get there. Yeah. Mental, my, mental time travel is a, a, a big issue I see. 
you know, people dwell on the past. And this isn't even just athletes, this is humans. Like, man, if only I did X, Y, Z, or why did that ref call that foul? Or if only I got up earlier this morning, I could have went for a run. Ugh. And like, we dwell on the past. And then instead of coming back to the present moment, we propel ourselves into the future. And we're like, oh, I just want to be a varsity athlete. And it's like, well, wait a minute, come on back to the future and do the things that it requires for you to become a varsity athlete. So mental time travel, be where your feet are. It's a big one yeah. too. Like mentally and physically mentality. being in the same place. Yeah. And it's good because it means you're motivated for the future and you see a positive future, but it's a paradox. You can't just stare at the future, hoping it comes. It's like, again, the road trip. If I have a road trip and I'm going to California from Vermont, got to go across the country in my car. If I just sit in my car in Vermont, I want to be in California. I'm not going to get there. I need to make sure that I get in my car, get my gas, get my keys, get everything so I can start, start the journey. And athletes, again, young athletes especially need to understand how important the small things are because how you do small things, how you do all things. It's another little dorky quote, but it's true. Or how you do anything is how you do everything. So athletes need to start with the small things to, to get themselves where they eventually want to become. God, so good. So good. I'm tempted. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here's the game plan. Cause I'm tempted um, to, to stop the conversation here because I want it to be short. So people can go like, go back and listen to this like three times yeah, sure. and then we'll do a part two. Okay. But I'm also tempted to just be like, F it. Let's keep going. <laughs> we can dang the carrot a little bit what about this can we end on this one because this is my favorite thing that you and i have ever talked about do you know what it is mm-hmm. do you know what it is routine and ritual yes <laughs> i knew you know <laughs> i'm like enamored by this this concept i love this so okay this uh, is okay. how we'll, we'll wrap on this concept the idea sure. of routine versus ritual like you blew yeah. my mind with this i distinctly remember us so like funny little backstory on, on Casey and Nicole, we used to work at the same gym. There was a period of time post COVID where we closed the gym on like Wednesday or Thursday nights or something. And it was just you and I conversations for like three hours at the front desk because the gym was closing. And it was like totally whack that we were both there, but it was like the best conversations I've ever had. Yeah. So Nicole Adak, Dr. Adak, is that a thing? No. Not yet. No. Not yet. Okay. Not, not yet. Not yet. Uh, Talk to me about this concept of ritual versus routine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've actually evolved my thoughts even more, so I'll keep it brief. But so I feel like a lot of times, you know, we we stress the importance of a routine, right? We stress like have a pre-performance routine, a a pre-game routine, get yourself in a place where you're physically and mentally ready to go. Now, a routine is something that is consistent, simple, you can do so that you feel that you're warmed up mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. So just to speak briefly on routines, it should be super intentional, super simple, super controllable, just something to warm your body up, something to warm your mind up, get yourself where you need to be. Ritual, it's a good idea. It's like getting yourself mentally prepared. But a ritual is something that's like out of your own control. You're relying on like everything working out perfect for you to get yourself ready and prepared instead of doing the work yourself. So it is related to what we've been talking about. And I think with rituals, like I I gave you my example of high school before games, I got home from school. I had to have the same meal every single time I got home from school. It was wonton soup from this Chinese restaurant down the street from my house. My mom had to get it for me. 
I ate my wonton soup. I had to have my dad drive me to the game. I had to listen to the same ABBA CD. I think it was actually like a Mamma Mia soundtrack. So not even the real ABBA. And then I would have to listen to that soundtrack in order. I would get to the gym. I had to do all these extra things. And that for me was what I needed in order to perform. So I was essentially giving all of my power to these things like the ABBA CD and the wonton soup and the, you know, my dad driving me and all that stuff. Whereas a routine is in my control. I'm relying on myself to get me ready. I do the same thing every time, but I'm relying on me versus a ritual relying on outside of me. I don't know if I'm explaining it well. You are. And it's, it's so, it's just, and this is something I've noticed with a lot of these different things where it's these slight shifts, mm-hmm. just a slight shift in, in the, and you explain it so yeah. perfectly where you're giving something else power, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you even said, like with us as performance with like, and dietitians and all these other resources that athletes have at their mm-hmm. fingertips, like you're just giving power to someone else. Whereas as soon as you make this slight little mindset shift on how they're there to be utilized and they're just a resource and we're still mm-hmm. in control of ourselves. Like the idea of ritual and routines, this, it's very similar along those same lines where mm-hmm. I do the mm-hmm. same things. They have an important role, but they don't dictate the outcome. I dictate the outcome. Yeah. And I think to go back to Kobe Bryant, one of, I read, I read somewhere once that his routine before games, it depended on the day. If he was in a really anxious headspace, then he would do something that calmed him down before a game. If he were really like cool and calm and kind of lackadaisical before a game, he would do something to amp him up. So the routine was just, let me check in with myself. How am I doing? Not, I need to listen to this playlist of 30 songs and eat this certain Snickers bar and do this. Thing. Like, how is a Snickers bar going to help me compete? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything intentionally to get me there. So it's kind of like crossing your fingers, hoping for the best. So again, going back to that idea of routine, it's like, give yourself permission to again, write your own story, paint your own canvas, because at the end of the day, an athlete's performance is theirs. So a routine helps an athlete remind themselves, ah, I have control over this. Are things going to go perfect? No. And we can't control the world and how things happen, whether it's in the world or on the, on the field, but we always have control over how we respond to it and how prepared we are for it. I love that. It's a good note to end on before we do part two at some point. Nicole Adak, where can people get more Nicole Adak? Mm. So this has been an evolving thing for me as far as like how to be available as a resource. Um, still, I'm not a social media buff like you are, Casey. That's fine, but I'm I not do, a social media but buff I do, <laughs> But I do have a website um, and it's just my name, NicoleAdak.com. And there's opportunity, my, I think my number's there, my email's there. So if people have questions, comments, like, please reach out to me. Um, if you want to know more about what I do, it's on the website. Um, I have a blog. I haven't really updated in a while, but um, I used to write, but I think I'm, I'm mentally now, I got to visualize a little bit because I'm mentally venturing into the like online space. I want to anyways, and like video and like short little kind of quick hitters. I think that would be much more helpful. And I mean, if people, if there's one thing that I would say, like, I've always noticed this and I hope people can really pull that from conversations that you you've had on these podcasts is mm-hmm. like, you've got like, if you know, you, this is the nice thing about technology in 2022 is like, there's, mm-hmm. 
there's no shortage of ways to work with you. You've got the systems in place, you know? So if you're a, a facility really? looking to bring in mental skills, I would reach out to Nicole. I have no shame in, in giving mm-hmm. that testimonial here. Um, and if you're a uh, athlete looking for a edge or someone to help you, you know, I think Nicole is someone you should check out. So I'll make sure all of your information, Nicole is in the show notes, check it out. Um, I really appreciate your time. You're, this is just, I love our conversations. They're so good. Me too. Me too. And I think our part two, what we should do, this is me thinking we should break down like, okay, now that we have the outcome and the long-term vision, what now? Because that's where athletes, I have a lot of athletes I work with who have a strong vision but they don't know what the stepping stones are to get there. And that's what we work on. So I think that would be a good place to start for part two. Down for it, down for the cause. I'll let you know when we're doing part two. Thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Casey.